Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Kevin Kaufman, your host of the Kevin and Fred Next Level Podcast, the podcast where we bring you weekly business tips and tricks, as well as in-depth interviews with leading minds in real estate and entrepreneurship to help you take your business to the next level. All right, Next Level Podcast listeners, this is Kevin Kaufman, and I am back this week with a special guest, um, Gary Tabke. Gary, how are you doing today? Really well. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. This is an important episode. The reason you and I got connected from a, a mutual friend, someone who I don't think you've known nearly as long as I have, but uh, my friend Nicole, and she reached out to me and said, hey, I think you'd like to meet this guy, Gary, because we had talked a few times about a super important subject, realtor safety, and uh, which is how, how she came across you. And so I thought it'd be cool after you and I had the chance to talk on the phone recently to kind of hear more about your story and, and help get the word out there because it's a, it's a hot topic in the realtor community and has been for a while now, and it needs to continue to be, quite frankly. And so I thought it'd be cool if we just chatted with you a little bit about uh, realtor safety, which is not the funnest topic to talk about, but it's definitely important. Definitely. And that's, you know, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's how it got started. Awesome. Well, Gary, why don't first, let's start with your background. Tell me, what did you do? I'm assuming this isn't your first career out of high school so uh, or out of college. What did you do professionally prior, prior to where we are now in 2019? I'm a uh, retired Northern California law enforcement. I work for a, a city agency here in the Bay Area, a very active city agency. Um, retired from there, got into doing security work. A friend of mine from the PD, when he retired, uh, started his own PI business and brought me in to assist him on a couple of cases, some witness protection and some other stuff. And it just, you know, was the logical step for me to go from being a security specialist and helping somebody with their business to uh, getting my license and hanging out my own shingles. So about five and a half years ago, um, I formulated Tabkey and Associates Private Investigations, got licensed. I do work for close to a dozen attorneys as well as private citizens. Um, I've done security analysis. I am a graduate of the FBI Citizen Academy. I have been trained and certified by the Department of Homeland Security in active shooter preparedness, active shooter scenarios. Uh, I do witness protection, executive protection. You know, when it comes to security and investigations, kind of a jack of all trades. I've got 20 years experience of investigations, investigative experience, and uh, 30 years of, of experience keeping people safe. So obviously from my appearance and all that information, I became a cop when I was 12. <laughs> so let, let me ask you this, like, because you obviously, so you've got, you've got a heck of a background there in, uh, in learning about situations that Nobody wants to ever find themselves in, but quite frankly, it happens every day. Um, and you met, you just said something that sparked something for me that, you know, essentially what you do is you help keep people safe, right? That's part of what you do. Yeah. Big part. Before we jump into the kind of the real estate side of this, what, you know, what are the number one or two, I don't know if it's one, two or five things that are most common that you see people doing just in general, regardless of their profession that they could be doing to keep themselves safer from scenarios? Situational awareness. Um, you know, I'm one of those guys that 
everywhere I go, I take the seat with my back to the wall. Um, people who know me automatically give that seat up. They don't want to fight me over it. Let Gary sit there so that he can see the room. Uh, I am always aware uh, of my surroundings. And in general, people go through their daily lives not paying attention and not looking around. The worst offender is the cell phone because we've become so reliant on it, we can't move from point A to point B, one, without having it in our hand, and two, without looking at it or doing something with it. So if, if you're moving about and you're distracted, you're unaware of your surroundings, you have no situational awareness, and you make yourself a bigger target. Yeah, you know, it's funny, I uh, totally unrelated subject, but I was, I was talking with a, I guess he's a new friend of mine, someone I just met for the first time, and they, he hasn't owned a cell phone in four years. So it's funny because the guy owns a technology company, wow. and he hasn't owned a cell phone in four years. So he was sharing with me some of the fun things that, that he observes just in, in the everyday public life, you know, whether that be in an elevator or, you know, in big public places, uh, on a bus, in a restaurant, things like that because he just doesn't literally even own a cell phone. So that is, uh, it was kind of funny to hear him share some of the things that he's observed. So I, I can only imagine though, like that was the lighter side of it. Um, but I, I know you've probably seen some stuff that's definitely not so light. Well, uh, when I, you know, when I do my realtor safety clinics or uh, women's safety clinics for women's groups and so forth, uh, I, I always like to use the analogy of the, uh, the nature Nat Geo, or back in the day, Mutual of Omaha, uh, Wild Kingdom, okay, where they show the lioness out on the Serengeti and she's, she's hunting the gazelle, you know, or the water buffalo. And uh, that lioness is hungry. The lioness wants to eat. It wants to feed itself. And it wants to do it with as little trouble and effort as possible. So the lioness doesn't go after the leader of the herd. The lioness looks for the weak, the sick, the young, okay, um, because they're easier prey, and food is food, whether you're eating uh, a young gazelle or you're eating the oldest gazelle. Criminals are the same way. They don't want to fight. They don't want you to resist. They're surprised if and when you do, um, because the majority of times when a criminal strikes, they're able to get away with what they're doing and get away with it quickly. They know what works, and that's why they do it the way that they do it. We go through our daily lives unaware of these people, and in a lot of cases, they're just a, you know, a few feet away. Uh, so situational awareness, keeping your head on a swivel, as I like to say, is a huge part of keeping yourself safe. Absolutely. Um, so let, let me do this. So you, were, you, were, you were sharing with me one time, like there was a... There was a particular news story, a case, uh, a realtor that caught your attention uh, a few, you know, a while back, Beverly Carter, who most agents have, have either read about or heard about. Uh, that caught your attention. And what was it about that story that grabbed you and made you say, hey, you know what, I think I can help here? There were a couple of things. It was on Dateline or 2020, something like that. And just the whole the totality of the case and the way it went down. Um, first, she was contacted, Beverly Carter in Arkansas, was contacted late in the afternoon by a female caller. No red flag there. 
The female caller couldn't find the home that they were looking for, supposedly. Uh, Beverly had one. It was in a rural area. The caller said that she'd like to see that house, but couldn't see it until late afternoon, early evening. Again, no red flags. Agents get these calls all the time. I see your listing. I like it. I have limited time. Can you meet me there? And they do. Um, and the fact that it was a female caller. When Beverly got there, of course, she found that the female caller was there with her boyfriend. Both were drug users. And they surmised that real estate agents are wealthy and have money. And if we kidnap one, we can hold her for ransom and uh, get enough money so that we can stay high the rest of our lives. It didn't work. And when it all went south, they panicked. And three days later, Beverly Carter's body was found. And that got me wondering, for whatever the reason, the wheels started turning. Is, is this a, a one-time thing? Has this happened before? Is the Beverly Carter story unique? And as I got into it, got online and started searching, I started finding a lot of assaults. I found other homicides. There's one out of Des Moines, Iowa, that still has not been solved. Um, well, the girl's last name is Auckland. She was killed in 2010, uh, shot to death while showing uh, a house. So that got me thinking, if this is happening widespread like this, you know, statistically, what are we looking at? And I, I found the NAR, the National Association of Realtors, and they had some statistics that they had put out from a 10-year study. In that 10 years, 100 agents had been killed while performing their duties. That's 10 per year. Wow. Uh, that's almost one a month. At the same time period, they had over 940 reported assaults. And I emphasize the word reported because many assaults go unreported. The assault starts, the person, the victim defends themselves or escapes or whatever, and the bad guy takes off and nobody calls the cops because they feel no harm, no, no foul. I'm physically okay. He didn't get my property. What's the point? Why should I bother? So my guess is that that 940 is, is a much greater number than we're aware of. Um, with that happening, I then set about talking to realtors in my local area here in the Bay Area, people that are friends of mine, and inquiring if this was a thing. Have you had scary situations? Have uh, anybody in your office that you know of uh, that's in the business had an incident or something like this? And what I was getting told astounded me um, to the point where then I had the thought, why isn't somebody doing something about this? Why hasn't somebody taken the time to keep these people safe? And my research found that there were a number of apps that have been developed. And, and apps are great, but if you're in the middle of being attacked, you don't get to say, hey, time out. I have to turn my phone on. I have to click on this app. I have to put in my location. It's not going to happen. So while apps are great for letting folks know this is where I'm going to be right now, if you're in the area, want to stop in and check on me, that's cool. And I'm, and I'm all for that kind of stuff. But when an assault starts, it starts fast. It starts in close proximity. And you don't have the opportunity to do those things. 
the thing that gets you through in any critical incident, and anybody who's been in the military, paramilitary, law enforcement will tell you that the only thing that gets you through a critical incident is your experience and your training. Because like a horse with blinders, you, you start out here, the incident begins, and you come to right here. Okay, you've got tunnel vision and you're focused, and whatever you know how to do is what's going to get you through at that point. Gotcha. So, so I, I just decided that I needed to put together some type of training to keep agents safe when they're showing homes and hosting open houses. So to do that, obviously, I needed to get myself familiar with the industry, what they do and how they do. So I started spending weekends stalking open houses. <laughs> <laughs> And, and walking in, um, first just walking in and you know saying hello and introducing myself and observing and that kind of thing. And then later, a um, little more sinister, because if you want to know what a bad guy is thinking and how he's doing his job, you have to think like him, behave like him, and see what you're able to get away with. So then I started going to open houses, and I would enter the home as quietly as I possibly could and see how far I could get inside without being detected by the agent. And it was astounding, not only to me, but when I started pointing this out to the agents hosting these open houses, it was equally astounding to them. And through all of that effort, my experience, uh, I put together a program that I call, you know, Realtor Safety. Interesting, so how many, um you know, how much time or if you, would you suspect you put into researching for everything from, you know, kind of reading about other cases to observing open houses and how realtors go about their business? Uh, how much time do you think you put into just the observing and researching part of what you've now sort of taken on as your task? Dozens and dozens of hours, um, almost a whole summer of, of visiting open houses, uh, preparing and formulating. Um, you go in and, you, and you walk into a place and you take a look and, and the first thing you note is, well, the front door was shut. So I had to open the door to come in. Uh, I can do that and make noise coming in because doors make noise or I can try to come through that door as quietly as possible. And, and quite often I was able to do that in part because the agents aren't in the front of the house. They're in the back of the house where the kitchen is. Um, and most of the agents are female, you know, uh, they fought, fought against society in the seventies and marched and burned their bras to get out of the kitchen. And now they put themselves back in the kitchen. Again. And, and, and part of my job is to get them out of the kitchen and get them back into that front room. So the other part about this education is that it's ongoing. It never stops for me. People will share incidents with me that have happened to them and ask, you know, kind of like, critique this, they don't say that, but they, they want my input. What could I have done different or what could they have done different? And I'm constantly combing the, the net, the web, looking for incidents that are recent and that have happened or uh, an incident that might take me in another direction with my program that I have. For instance, in January, I read an article in a local paper about a male agent who walked into a vacant home and was surprised in the hallway by a transient who had broken into the house and was squatting, a drug user. Both of them panicked, went in opposite directions. He got out of the house and he called the police. And my first thought was, 
okay, if this was a vacant house, why would you just open the front door and walk in? Why would you not do a perimeter check and check the exterior of the home for a forced entry? Because if you find a forced entry, a screen that's been removed, a window with smudge prints on it from hands forcing it open, or a blind that's all mangled inside on the side of the window where the window slides open, these are all telltale signs that somebody got into the house. How about a broken window, you know? And if you find those, back out. Go a couple of doors down the street and call the cops and tell them what you're doing while you're there and that you need a security check. It's not a 911 call, but they will send an officer or two out to check the home and make sure that it's not occupied by somebody who shouldn't be there. So that then became something I hadn't previously considered or thought of that I now include in my presentation. So it's an ongoing education for me that I don't, I don't stop. Got it. So, I mean, to me, what, I'm, what I think I'm hearing and picked up from you so far, Gary, is that there are, there are actually some little things that we can do. I say little, they have a big impact on what we could do. Things like being in an open house, being towards the front, the front, front of the house uh, where people are, are entering or when we're entering a vacant house, which is quite common, not just walking through the front door as if it's absolutely going to be vacant, but taking a couple minutes and, and checking the perimeter, making sure that everything looks kind of normal, if you will, and as it should, and that there isn't some obvious signs that someone is, has entered the home. You know, these are real simple things that, that people just need to add to their repertoire when they're, when they're working, because it could be the difference between life and death. Absolutely. So now, and I know that you, you teach realtors that like, you can take this much further. You've got a, you've got a course that you, that you teach. How, when, that, when people come to you and they te take an in-person course or you fly out, uh, I, meant, I believe the first time we spoke, you had mentioned you're coming to Arizona fairly soon to teach a course. Is that, like, how long is that course that you're teaching with realtors? It takes say, 75 to 90 minutes. Um, it, it covers pre-planning, creating a safe work environment, situational awareness, and uh, then I go into improvised weapons, which is a, a favorite of mine, and what I call quick exit self-defense. The reason that it takes 75 to 90 minutes is that I've had to add, to be thorough, I've had to add more material to the presentation, and because I avail myself to my audience. If you want to stop me in mid-sentence to tell me a story about what happened to you, an incident, or ask a question, I avail myself to the audience to do that. I don't put a time limit on my presentation. It will take however long my audience needs for it to take. The bottom line is that I make everybody safer. And if that requires my being there longer, answering more questions, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, you know the the message that what I wanted to, what I wanted to kind of drive home here is that there we could take you know an hour and a half maybe even two hours out of our day and just learn a few things. I'm curious if if we could get and I know it's not possible to get everybody, but let's just say we got all 1.1 or 1.2 million realtors uh, members of NAR in this country to go through a class, whether it's yours or another one that is similar that talks about these types of things, you know, what would be your guess on what, what kind of percentage decrease do you think we could actually have on cases, not on, you know, not just the ones that end in total tragedy, tragedy like Beverly Carter's, but um, the ones that end in just, you know, that, you know, someone got hurt or 
some maybe someone just got scared because they did get out like what what's the percentage of impact do you think that we could have you know I've, I've never taken the time to try and calculate that immediately when you were when you were asking the question the number 75 popped up in my mind um, I don't know if 75 percent improvement is realistic or not here's the thing that I do know and, and I explain this in my, my my clinics there's no guarantees I mean I have to give you know a disclaimer that nothing that I'm teaching today is guaranteed to keep you safe save your life what I do know is that if we are safer about what we're doing, if we're inherently safer, there is gonna be less chance. Bad guys don't wanna get caught. If they're caught and in jail, they can't feed their drug habits, they can't support themselves, their families, okay? Uh, and, I, and I hate to put it that way, supporting their families through crime, but that's what they do. Yeah. Okay, they support their drug habits and they support their lives and anybody who's involved in their lives criminal activity and they're looking to prey upon the easy so there are so many things that agents can do to improve their situation when hosting an open house or showing a home <laughs> recently in the news out of Illinois and I forget the city it began with a T you can research it um, female agent showing a home to a prospective male buyer um, he attempted to rape her to disarm her he shot her in the back with a taser she managed to fight through it and survived and he got arrested but as i read this article the first thing that stood out the big glaring no-no was if she got shot in the back she was leading him through the house she was taking she took in the article she took him even into the basement so you know, your folks who are listening, watching from the Midwest and the South and back East where I grew up, you know, uh, we have basements and a lot of them aren't finished basements. They're, they're very rugged. And she's leading this guy through the entire house. And when he decided the time was right, he shot her in the back. She didn't see it coming. Okay. For me, showing a home in that way is a major no-no. And, and, I, and I teach in, in the clinic, don't do that. Okay, bring them into the house, direct them to, to the kitchen, the family room. If, if it's a, a second floor, direct them upstairs. Say, please go upstairs. You'll find a beautiful master suite with an ensuite. You know, there's uh, three other bedrooms up there. Two of them have a Jack and Jill, whatever, and, and let them work their way through the house. And sometimes folks will say, well, but, but what about my my seller's belongings well your seller shouldn't have belongings sitting out that are easily removed or stolen you know guns jewelry that kind of stuff should be either removed from the home or locked up someplace let's make the homeowner a part of your security as well so that you don't feel the need to go into each and every room with a prospective buyer that's good stuff um well okay so l let me ask you this um so, okay, so we, you've already, you've shared already a few things I think that we can do that are real basic that, and whether it's a 75% reduction or 50 or 90, doesn't matter. The point is that we can make a difference as realtors in our own safety and in the safety of our peers. And I think that we should. Um, so I know that a lot of the folks that listen to this podcast aren't too far from your area. You teach a lot in the, in Northern California, in the Bay area, but 
you, you did also tell me that you're willing to travel and go to other places and speak too. Um, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, Gary, and, and inquire about your courses and whether that was because they're in your area and they're going to come to you to something that's already set up, or maybe they want to bring you uh, to their area and set up some courses and kind of help you do that. What's the best way for them to find you and to reach you so they can do so? I've got a Facebook page, Tab Key and Associates Private Investigations. You can find me there. I'm on Instagram, Tab Key and Associates PI. Uh, my email address is G that's for Gary, V for Vincent, and then Tab Key, T A B K E. So it's G V Tab Key at gmail.com. And they can reach me that way as well. I've also got a website. I think that I mentioned that tabkeenassociates.com. Yep. So that's good. And I'll, and I'll have all of that kind of in our notes uh, with your, with, with you kind of your bio and other information too. So I just want people to know that, Hey, this is, this is great. We got the chance to talk about this and there's only so much we can do over a podcast or a video recording right. uh, that really though, if we want to be able to, make ourselves safer and our peers and our brokerage safer that, um, you know, there are resources out there and you've definitely been a great one and have spent time uh, kind of giving to our community uh, of realtors to, to make sure that, that we stay safer, that we do that and that there's fewer of these stories and, and incidences, whether they get reported or not, we need to have, we need to have a lot less of them. Um, you know, the, the thing about Beverly Carter, it's a good thing that the story got out and that folks were able to see it and realize that this could happen. At the same time, criminals mimic other criminals. In Northern California, there was a male-female couple in El Dorado County. The Citrus Heights Police Department ended up arresting uh, the couple, but the female was making the calls. The El Dorado County area is in the foothills, it's rural. She would lure a female agent to a vacant home, and her boyfriend would attack and rape the agent. They're in jail. They're in custody now. In January, there was a couple, male-female, operating the same way in Colorado. So it's good that we're getting the info out, that people are becoming more aware, but people, people need to become more cautious. They need to train themselves and think about the way they're doing business differently than what they have in the past. The other thing is with the Beverly Carter incident, her family sued her broker, citing that he knew he was sending his agents into potentially dangerous situations. And number two, that he had not provided any training for them to help keep them safe. He had done nothing. He was fortunate in that they filed their lawsuit three days late and the judge kicked it. Uh, lawsuits have time periods when you're filing a wrongful death. A court suit uh, is six months. A, uh, a regular suit is two years. And if you get outside of that window, the judge, the, the court is not going to hear your case. So for a broker, it's just good business to keep your people safe and want them to be safe. And it's also smart business to protect yourself in the event of an unfortunate incident, a critical incident where somebody gets hurt and then says they can't work any longer. They had 20 more years of productivity and they're gonna sue you. So by bringing me in, 
we're bringing an expert in to put on a presentation like this, you can begin to create due diligence in the event of an unfortunate situation. You're able to keep your people safer and show that you made the effort to keep them safe by bringing in an expert. Um, the other thing that I do with brokers is I, I discuss what to do on a monthly basis, how to record it and so forth, so that in the event of an unfortunate incident, you know, they can show their insurance company, hey, I did everything that I could possibly do. I care about my people. This is what I've done. What more could I have done? The last thing that I want to leave you all with, we talked about improvised weapons. An improvised weapon is any inanimate object that was not manufactured for the purpose of being a weapon. Anything that you can pick up and defend yourself with. Everybody carries one of these. The problem is most people hold them at the bottom so that their thumb can access the screen. And the other problem is they're moving around doing this, looking down. So if we stop looking down at these cell phones and we simply change our grip to the center, we now have a protrusion at the bottom of our hand and at the top of our hand. And this, in a critical incident, makes an excellent striking weapon. You can tomahawk with it, you can backhand, you can uppercut. This little cell phone might be the difference between life and death if you think of it differently, hold it differently, and are prepared to use it. Practice with it. Practice striking with this item. Because like we said earlier, in the event of an attack, it's training and experience that's going to get you through. Absolutely. Gary, I just I wanted to say thank you very much for agreeing to come on uh, the podcast today and share that with us. I know there was a lot of listeners. I got a lot out of that. And uh, just it means a lot to me that you're out to, to help our community stay safer and get better. So uh, just on the behalf of all of our listeners, I just wanted to say thank you very much. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. The, the more people that hear this, the more people that start thinking about their safety, the more people who start conducting themselves differently and taking responsibility, a personal responsibility for their safety, the fewer victims we're going to have. Absolutely. I agree. Well, uh, thank you so much. And the Next Level Podcast listeners, have a great day. Uh, if you get the chance, go see Gary alive. Bring him to your town if you can. And uh, most importantly, just get some education. Be aware and help us, uh, you know, just help the community bring, bring down incidents like this. And uh, that's it. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Keep your heads on a swivel. Stay safe. That's it for today's show. Do me a favor if you enjoy this, go over to iTunes or wherever you're listening at and leave us a review. Share this episode with your friends. And for more great content, check us out in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash next level agents. That's facebook.com forward slash groups next level agents. See you soon.